Welcome back to the Beat the Often Path podcast, the place where I showcase unusual success stories to help us all think outside the box during these highly unusual times. My guest today is Kendra Richardson, founder of Funky Town Fridge, a community-driven fridge with the goal of reducing food apartheid in Fort Worth, Texas. I was immediately drawn to her story because she saw injustice in her community and made that crucial step to do something about it, investing her own money and time to build something for the greater good. Not only that, but her story is a great template for anyone looking to make a concrete difference in their community. So with that, I'm pleased to introduce Kendra Richardson. Okay, Kendra, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. How are you today? I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing extremely well. I got to say, I love that you've shown up in these amazing clothes. <laughs> they look awesome. <laughs> thank, you. thank you for having me. So, I mean, my pleasure. So I discovered uh, the the Funky Town fringe, uh, Fridge. A buddy of mine, he lives out in that area. Um, oh. And he was... You know, I I wanted to ask him. I said, "What's going on out there?" And he pointed me to you guys. And I I love first of all, I love the record of Funky Town, and I love funk in general. So I was like, "Okay, seems like something cool is going on here." So, um, can you just tell us a little bit about what it is that you're up to? So I founded Funky Town Fridge, and what Funky Town Fridge is, it's a community fridge that's accessible to the community twenty four seven. Um, it's not monitored. It's not manned. It is just free food, no strings attached, no questions asked. Anybody can come and give food as they can, and anybody can come and take food as they need. It's 100% community funded. Um, the community supplies the groceries. The community comes and takes from it. And yeah, that's it. That's, that's it in a nutshell. Cool. And w- when did you start this project? We opened up the first fridge um, September 26, 2020. Okay. So um, relatively new. Mm-hmm, very new. Um, when I found out about the concept, the work is not new. Um, but when I found out about the concept um, during like the George Floyd uprising, yep. um, I, I knew it was something that Fort Worth needed. I grew up in the projects. I grew up in Stop 6. I grew up in an apartheid community. In Fort Worth, I know what it's like to see Black people get oppressed and beat down and still be hungry. And mm-hmm. so um, I know what it's like to grow up with a single mother. And so I don't ever want to see another single Black mother struggling over food, at least. If yeah. I can control, if I can help that much or um, give that much, then I've done enough. And from there, I can grow and be able to do more. Wow, that's awesome. So. How did you specifically think, what what made you think, okay, I'm going to get started right now? I just saw it. You just saw it. Where did you see it? What did you oh, see? Yeah. What did you see? saw it. Yeah, I worked backwards. Did, you saw like <laughs> so another fridge somewhere else or, or what do mm-hmm. you mean? Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I saw it on Instagram. Oh, okay. Um, I think I saw it in, it was either Houston or New Orleans. And I just, I thought it was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And so I immediately DM'd them. Um, they sent me to another Instagram um, where the fridges originated in New York in February 2020. And they sent me a Google Drive with literally everything I needed to know, everything I needed to do. And it wasn't, when I saw it, it looked like something simple enough. You know, like yeah. I'm a teacher. I don't have a lot of time. I don't um, have a lot of money or resources. Um, but it was. it looked like something that I could do quick that would be um, sustainable. And even if it wasn't, it would be something that would, I hate to use this terminology, but wake people up. Yeah. <laughs> even still, because I mean, even after all we've seen, all 2020, some folks still just, they just, it's just not clicking. Mm. And so I thought this was a good way to make something click to make people realize that you have a place in this fight too. You have a place in this revolution too. We didn't build this problem. We didn't create this problem, um, but you can help solve it. And so since us as black people have been working to solve it for 400 years, since slaves were jumping off ships in protest, um, then it, now you you need to hop on board. You need to know. You need to learn. You need to figure out what you can do too, even if it is just bringing a kanga to the fridge. Wow! So when you actually got started, did you? What did you do? You bought a fridge, or like what was step one? Or there was already so, one. Somebody donated a fridge. Yeah. So I I work backwards. Like my mind just works. I'm left handed. Okay. Uh, hey, I'm left handed too. Oh really? I am. Oh, yeah. Oh, left hand. Yep. 
my mom just works backwards. So okay. I immediately, I just knew, like when I seen it, I just knew that I was going to do this. That was just it. And so I immediately made an email. I immediately made an Instagram. I started making memes and stuff. I didn't even have a fridge. Um, and I just started doing research from what that is, from what the Instagram page had sent me. Um, and from there, I texted a friend who was already doing um, revolutionary rep, um, and through Black Empowerment Movement, which is another organization, a mutual aid organization out here. And when I told her that, she was like, well, I, I mean, I have a fridge. <laughs> nice. And it's basically brand new. And it was. It was a great refrigerator. And when she told me that, she was like, you can pick it up today. You can pick it up tomorrow. Cool. And I did. And <laughs> from there, uh, my cousin, we have a barn. Um, well, my family has a barn on the east side of Fort Worth. My cousin let me use it for storage for a while. We painted it there. Um, I think. I invested, I'll say, about $200. At the time, I was not making any money. <laughs> I invested about um, $200 just on paint. Yep. Um, we got paint. Um, I had a fridge. I had an artist, but I still didn't have a shed, and I didn't have um, a host. And so I just I just started posting about it, and I just were – I was – just calm and patient, just waiting. Mm. Um, Cause I knew that this was something that needed to happen. And I knew if God wanted to happen, it would all align mm. period. And it did. And so not even a week later, cause once I had the fridge, I was like, damn, where I'm going to put it? <laughs> what I'm going to yeah. do? And um, I, not even a week later, um, Derek, the first host, she um, messaged us on Instagram and said, Hey, I saw that you were starting a community fridge. I want a community fridge at my business. And how do we go from there? And we did it. She let us do a mural and everything. And now it has taken wings and <laughs> just become something greater beyond anything that I could have ever imagined. And I am so very cool. grateful for that. So cool. What kind of business did she have? Um. So Derek owns the Greenhouse 817. Okay. And what she does is like different floral arrangements for businesses. Um, she sells flowers. She sells um, pots to put the flowers in. She also designs them. Like um, I just started getting new furniture in my house and I asked her to design just the floral arrangements there. Um, I know she works with a lot of businesses in Dallas and Fort Worth doing a lot of different arrangements, weddings, all kinds of things. Anywhere that there are flowers, there's probably Derek. Okay. <laughs> and, and it looked like from what I saw on your Instagram. So it's like there's just like a wall on the side of the building and you guys have decorated that wall. You painted it all. And then there's literally just a fridge on the outside of the wall, right? <laughs> on the side of the wall. Right. Just outside. So how how did people... I mean, there's obviously two sides to this, right? There's the side of people have to be donating food. Otherwise, the fridge is empty. But how did you get the word out to the community that, hey, there's going to be food here? So before we, um, I have a team that helps me and they are phenomenal. Cool. Um, and before we even plant a fridge um, or, you know, plant that seed, we canvass the neighborhoods that we're putting the fridge in because we're putting these fridges in black and brown neighborhoods that are food apartheid. And so we want them to know that it's here. We want them to know that it's community driven and we want them to know that it's available to them. Um, and them first, right? Like you come here first, not these people who, I don't know, may have the means or see that food is free or whatever the case. Um, so we, we have flyers with addresses and with maps that lead you to it. And so when we canvass those neighborhoods, the fridge really is what, no more than like a mile away from them anyway. Okay. And so they know their neighborhood. We know they know their neighborhood and they can navigate their way to the fridge. So we canvas beforehand. Um, and then we do like a week before. And then we do fridge opening parties, like block parties. We do a block party for every fridge. And so we hope that those people in those neighborhoods that we got a chance to talk to um, are coming out to those block parties. And then we have people come bring the food. They bring the food, drop it off. And then the people in the neighborhood. And even if, like, we don't see them during canvassing, sometimes they'll be like, what's going on? <laughs> like, we do the party, so it makes them be like, what's happening over there? Yeah. They come, and um, they talk to us, and we, you know, ask, like, hey, do you live in this neighborhood? This fridge is for you. Anytime you want to come, all this food is going to be here today, tomorrow, and the next day. 
um, before I put a fridge out, I pray over every fridge and just say like, may this fridge never be this empty again. Yeah. Ever. Right. And there it is not. We feed the people. You feed the people. Uh, how has the response been? Amazing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, what, Amazing. what have you noticed? Well, every time somebody, you know, in the neighborhood comes to the fridge and takes from the fridge, they always thank us. Um, a lot of the people are houseless, so they like to leave notes or, you know, if they yeah. have something to leave and they know our names. We talk to them all the time. Like the whole point is to build community. Right. So we talk to them all the time. I try to spend as much time as I can at every fridge um, and, you know, space my time out and just be able to just sit and watch people come and take and have conversations with them. So we've we've heard a lot of stories. Um, we've helped a lot of people, like even beyond the fridge, if somebody comes up and it's like, hey, we've been cold for two weeks. Can we get some coats? <laughs> and that's happened before. We'll go. We'll go buy them new coats. Um, we've given rental assistance. Um, and these people they know that and they remember it which is good and they try to you know give back what they can but we always let them know like you don't you don't have to do that but we appreciate the sentiment always mm -hmm. um we always get like dms on instagram of people thanking us or you know people just giving testimonials of how they were hungry at one point and now they come and bring to the fridge because they know what it's like all kinds of stuff. Um, the bond that I'm building um, with my team and the things that I'm learning from them are impeccable. I have a lot of, um, my team is very diverse in not skin color, but just their thinking and their ways of life. I have a lot of queer people on my team that I'm learning from. I have a lot of non-binary non people on my team I'm learning from. I didn't grow up like that. I grew up in the church, like I grew up in the black church. And so the bonds that we build together are, have been impeccable. We talk all the time. We listen all the time. We talk about revolution all the time. We're always thinking of new and innovative ways to sustain the fridge and to be able to do more. And I think that has been my greatest, um, I guess I'll say accomplishment so far. It's just like building that bond with them and getting to know them and meeting people who are outside of what I'm used to. Mm. I'm sorry, is that a long answer? No, that's a great answer. I'm just thinking about it. It's a very <laughs> profound answer. Um, I love it. Oh, how, how many people do you have on your team now? Um, I would say about 15, maybe. Wow, that's a lot. And we all do different things. Like, everybody has their strengths. Like, right, when I say everybody has a place in the revolution, you do. What strength do you have that you can bring? If all you have is a canned good, that's totally fine. Bring your canned good. But... I just so happen to have a team that is able to do more. Like I have a research, I have a research team. Um, I have a marketing team, and this is just this is just us just winging it as we started. Mm -hmm. um, I have um, a team that does like all our internet and website stuff. Um, I have a team. We of course I have fridge captains, so every fridge is monitored by well maintained by a captain and their team. Um, and which is like another outbranch. We finally started opening it up because so many people were asking to just like be on the team, but it's really so, but it's not much real because you just, you just bring food to the fridge. Yeah. But where, uh, just like the, I guess, administrative things. I have people that are very good with that. Um, I, we try to um, bring in college students where they are um, I know one of one of the people on our team is an accounting major, so I've asked him to handle a lot of the the money and the business and things and keeping up with stuff like that because we're trying to sustain this thing, right? Like we're trying to build it up so we can create a better world, period. Mm. And so people can bring their strengths and what they have to the table and we can say, okay, well, maybe maybe we need to try this out over here or we need a need here. Do you have that tool, you know? And so it's... It's working out in our favor so far. And um, yeah, I just, I really appreciate them. I always give them their their gratitude and flowers and whatever else. Like, I owe them so much. That's awesome. <laughs> and it all yeah. started, you know, you said September of last year. So in a few months. Um, and th did these people find you? Because you obviously began it by yourself. So did they yeah. find you via Instagram? Or how did you start getting teammates? 
They found me on Instagram. Um, always Instagram. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I know I, I went to two or three protests and um, I met three of my, they're my friends and team members, but I met three of them there. And from there, um, we, we started just talking about how there were more components to the revolution, right? Like, mm-hmm. Yes, you need to protest. Yes, there needs to be civil unrest. Like, yes, you you have to be heard in some kind of way. But we also have to be able to sustain this. And y'all can't be like, we can't be out here risking our bodies every single time this happens because clearly it's going to happen. Clearly it's not, it's not stopping anytime soon. So we can't keep risking our bodies and risking our minds and our mental health like that way. We have to find a way to be able to... Um, continue to provide civil unrest yes but in different ways to where we can sustain ourselves and sustain this movement and so um, we started just doing like community service things that we saw i know i started registering voters which is something i did um in college and when i came here it was just something that you know i knew to do so Mm. i started registering voters we would do um just like food distribution events and stuff and then um I saw this fridge. <laughs> I told them I wanted to do it. They were with me 100%. They would come keep me company when we painted and stuff. And so the day we opened, I did one training, like one virtual training. And all matter of fact, yeah, everybody on my team now was there. And I told them, I just told them that, you know, we were opening this day. If y'all could be here at this time and help set up. They came on opening day and I didn't have to do anything. Wow. I didn't have to do anything but just stand there and smile and show these people I didn't have to do anything. And from there, I was like, I'll, I'll never get rid of you. Like, <laughs> you can never get rid of me. That is it. And from there, we we built bonds and I appreciate it. So, yeah, Instagram, they, you know, saw we were having the, the training. They tuned into the training. They came day one. Um, they came, start taking stuff out of my car, start putting stuff in the fridge and keeping it organized and neat. And I mean, there's no worry at all. There was no worry that day. And that's what a team is. Like, that's what you need. Yep. And we work together so well and so seamlessly. I just, they'll never get rid of me. That's, that's it. crazy. <laughs> and since you started, these things, they've been full... 24 I mean you've never have you ever had a day or a period where they've been empty and they haven't been stocked um especially before the storm so at one point we were buying groceries like I would get off of work every day okay. at, at school and go buy groceries and fill up every fridge okay um that wasn't sustainable yeah, <laughs> was it helpful we were getting donations and money and yes but it was only enough to buy groceries for the fridges and then keep them filled for like a day mm. our fridges turn over like every 30 minutes to an hour mm. Because we're around a lot of houseless people, we're around a, around a lot of families, and single parents with bigger families. Mm-hmm. And so now I think some people just come and shop for the month or the week here. So um, we were before we were doing that, and then we did stop after a while because we thought it kind of it defeated the purpose. Like the whole point was for the community to feel and not, even if you donate money, you can't just throw money at a problem. Like that's just, (laughs) this is putting tape on a problem. It's still a problem to be solved. Mm -hmm. And so we started pushing more to just try to get people to donate and bring food. Now, some people were bringing things, but it wasn't as full as we wanted it to be. And before the storm, we did also have a problem with one of the fridges just being full as much as we want it to be. We try to keep it full just 24 seven, just period. Mm -hmm. Um, and now after the storm, all three fridges have been filled, I don't know, for the past two or three weeks now. Wow. Um, so now I think people are, maybe people who weren't realizing before, people didn't have time before. I think now people realize um, just how crucial these fridges are in these neighborhoods and how important it is to keep them filled at all times. Wow. And I think now that they're, they're more conscious of that, right? Like now some people will post or send us an update and say, well, I just left 30 minutes ago, but I had to come back, you know, just to check and it will be empty. Mm. And now they see what we mean, what we're talking about. Like, y'all got to keep these fridges filled. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's also us finding ways to hold community accountable 
and also holding ourselves accountable because, you know, we, we can only do so much and the community can only do so much, but it takes a collective effort just all around to make sure that we keep the fridges filled and clean and maintained. So I, I, I actually did want to ask you about the, the storms, and that was also part of the reason that I reached out. I was curious if you noticed that things got better or worse. So, I mean, obviously one thing was good. Something good came out of it, but was that a particularly rough time? The storm, just going through the storm? Yeah, yeah. Like, or was it just basically the same? <laughs> so a lot of people, like, even when they want to highlight the freeze, it's always, especially now it's about the storm. And then yeah. before it was 19, but racism has been here. Right, <laughs> right. These black families have been Nothing suffering. Yeah. Brown families have been suffering. Um, and I think... Not not saying that this is you, but I just think people in general like these are. Um, it's a temporary problem. Yeah, like, like the storm comes, are, the storm goes, problem solved. Yeah, now we're done like, with it. Yeah, like buffers to what's already been there. <laughs> like this has already been an issue, yeah. and which is what made me do it. Like I, it was always my dream to come back from school and to come home and to go to Stop Six and be a teacher and make a difference in my community that way. Little did I know God had way bigger plans for me making a difference. And so um, these problems have been here. Uh, I do see an increase in consciousness, I'll say, just about other people. I know a lot of these people that donate, they've probably never been in these neighborhoods the entire time. They could have lived in forward forever and probably still never been in these neighborhoods. Um, I, yeah, I just think it's a, it's, it's building consciousness and some kind of collective, um, I guess, community all around. Um, but yeah, these problems have been here. These needs have been here. The needs have been great. So even like, even though these fridges are having a bigger impact on people who may not be for Fort Worth or may not understand like what's really going on out here. Like these people have been hungry forever. Mm -hmm. And so just putting these three little fridges in here and keeping them filled 24 seven, that's still not enough. Mm -hmm. That's just the cusp of, that's just scratching the surface. Um, Cause I mean, the damage has already been done. Mm -hmm. What we're trying to do is restore those things and restore these practices and restore these people's health. Um, so I forgot what the question is. I'm sorry. Just, no, I think it's okay. I was just asking if, uh, if things changed. Um, yeah. Um, but you're saying I, not really. I mean, it's... Uh, I think people's consciousness has, changed. has, has okay. changed. I can't get that. But I think that has changed. I'm worried more about not policy, but individual collective change, right? Like change. Are we having conversations with these people? Are we changing their minds? Are we broadening their horizons? Are we um, letting them know what the real problem is? And are they being able to see that? Mm -hmm. um, so I think I am seeing that that consciousness change, that collective change, that community being built. So yes, things are changing. Mm -hmm. Community is being built. People are coming together. Um, consciousness is being raised. So yes, to answer your cool. question. That's good. That's positive. Is yeah. it, for you personally, do you feel like the arc of your life is do you still want to be a teacher? Are you still a teacher or is it this is my full-time thing now? Okay. I am. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. I, am, I love my don't get me wrong like I love my kids, I love my school, but um this is becoming more than like a part-time job. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of rest. And I'm a very sleepy person. Like, I like to sleep. <laughs> I like to sleep. I like to rest. I like to be able to take care of myself. I've been doing this work for 15 years. And you cannot do it without taking care of your mental health first and taking care of your body first. And I have learned that firsthand. Um, I've seen it firsthand. And so um, I want to be able to make that kind of time for myself, like revolutionary, radical self-care, just as much as it is revolutionary, radical community work, like all those things play a part. Um, and I want to be whole when I'm having conversations with these people or, you know, trying to lead my team or building another fridge. So. Yes, I'm still in the classroom. It is my goal now to um, transition out. 
um, hope my principal doesn't see. Uh, <laughs> if you want me to cut, <laughs> you gotta cut it that way. <laughs> if you want me to, just say the word. I'll cut it out. <laughs> um, I mean, it's almost over now. We or or I'll, or I'll tag him or her. Yeah, <laughs> I'll say you gotta right. see this. Right. <laughs> yeah, she cares too much about her community. What a horrible person. <laughs> this this ba- bad apple here. Right. <laughs> the goal is to transition out. Um, I have had a lot of job offers since I started this, but I'm not... I like being my own boss. I like working on my own, which is half the reason why I even started the fridge anyway. Um, and so I know myself. <laughs> um, so I know, you know how it works. And... But yeah, the goal is to transition out um, in the summer and um, see how I can do this full time and make some kind of, um, I guess, living for myself or at least pay my rent. I think think long gone are the days where um, Black people sacrifice their livelihood, their time, their everything um, to, to this revolution because we've been fighting it for so long and we do it and we don't get anything from it. And at least help me pay my rent so I can keep doing the work. So, um, yeah, I think that's the goal eventually to to try to make a living out of this. Um, and we aren't a nonprofit. We're going to be becoming a nonprofit. A lot of people have been telling us that too. Like, you need to get paid for this or you need to be a nonprofit so you can get paid. Mm-hmm. There are other ways around it. <laughs> there are other things you can do. Um, the whole point is to break down the system of capitalism and white supremacy and systematic racism. And you cannot do that when you perpetuate those same things that you've seen before. You cannot do that when um, you perpetuate those those stereotypes. And even if I became a nonprofit but operated how we've been operating, like, and I've heard you can't even do that. <laughs> even if I did that, there would still be, um, it wouldn't sit right with my soul. Mm. Um, there will still be those, I don't know, I don't know what the word is. I guess, you know, requirements, stipulations, or whatever the case. Um, the way we do this work, which is why you see so many mutual aid organizations pop up now, because the, the dam- like I said, the damage has been done. The need is so much greater you need flexibility to be able to help these people the way they need to be helped. You need flexibility to be able to meet these people where they are and doing, being a nonprofit under the state, you cannot do those things. Mm. Interesting. I don't know anything. I wish I knew anything about that, but I believe you. Um, Well, you find us on Instagram. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) I mean, about the nonprofit, like, I don't know what the rules are, of course, but uh, you have three. Do you think it's like, Okay, we're gonna do three. We're gonna do six. We're gonna do nine. I mean, do you want to just keep going or keep it at three? What's yeah. okay? Yeah, all over the city, man. I um. So the goal was to have one out at least once a month. We were held up by um. I guess a bump in the road. We were held up by um compliance at one point, which is why we don't even have the two fridges out that we that I want out now. Hmm. Which is also fine because I am a believer in divine timing and things coming as they should. So the way we're about to be set up now with our next two fridges, I think we are very well. I think this is perfect timing. I think that we are um, very much on track and I'm excited for them. That's so cool. Uh, and and how are you picking the new locations? Is it just based on what people offer you, or like somebody says, "I have a business over here, I want in," and then you say, "Okay," or is it your you said canvassing or? Mm-hmm. So they have to be in a, a community that's apartheid, and apartheid means apartheid. It's a South African word. Um, I don't know um, which is part of the um, whole uprising with Nelson Mandela. And so apart, we say apartheid because um, we don't like the term food deserts, right? It's like. When you say that somebody is food apartheid, you're raising that consciousness of knowing that it is not their fault that they live in these conditions. Yes, all people have choices. Yes, people make decisions in life. Yes, there's still a systematic oppression. There's this just there's still systematic oppression. There's still systems that keep these people where they are. So even if they wanted to come up, they couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember we were we adopted a home, we adopted a houseless camp. 
um, like last week or so, it was a camp that had been out the whole time. So we decided to adopt them now and take care of them now. Uh, had we known they were out there, we would have had them together then, but we found out now. So we decided to just adopt them. And they were telling us like they can't even get IDs. Even if they wanted to vote, they can't do it because they can't have an ID. So it's hard for people to even, even if they tried, it's hard for them to try to come up mm. or do something better with themselves or with their lives because of all these policies, rules, and laws put in place. Mm. Um, so, dang, I forgot again. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, it's okay. I get lost. Uh, I was saying, how do you choose these places? How do you so, choose the uh, yeah, location? Yeah, they have to be in an apartheid neighborhood. Okay. And so we say it raises the consciousness in knowing, like, we're not blaming these people for the lives they live, right? Like, we understand that there are systems that put them in the, in these places. And so if it's in that kind of community, um, which is AKA Food Desert, if it's in that community, um, we go have a conversation. Um, we let them know what our values are. We let them know how we would like to see the fridge ran, but we also give the host flexibility to let us know how they would want it ran because it is their property. Mm -hmm. um, but mostly everybody always says like 24-7 is good for them. Wow. Um, and that's that's really it. Um, they have to be flexible with us. Like I call my host like at least five times a day every day now. <laughs> like mm -hmm. something is always happening. Something is always going on. And it, it really is like having a kid. Like that's yeah. why we call it that's what they say, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. Um, they just have to be in an apartheid neighborhood, like Polly or South Side or the East Side of Fort Worth or the South Side of Fort Worth. Um, now we are, we finally got a fridge on the North Side. So now we have already um, ta finally tackled every apartheid neighborhood in Fort Worth. And so, um, which are black and brown neighborhoods. And so from there, we just need to expand um, in the neighborhoods that we're already in. Okay. Now, like two fridges it's, next to each other in the same spot, yeah, perhaps. Because or one three. Into the, well, yeah, just like the grocery store should be. Yeah, there get should bigger. Now, yeah, there should be a fridge within a mile of every neighborhood, every person that wow. can get to. Um, and I mean, if other neighborhoods, if Crowley or Ridgely Hills wants one, sure, <laughs> but they can afford it mm. <laughs> for sure. Um, but we are focusing on Black people first in brown communities. Um, and houseless communities, anybody that, you know, needs food and has been oppressed, like, come here, come eat. And so, yeah, that's it, ultimately. <laughs> Have you noticed an increase in houseless people? Obviously, I live in L.A., so since the pandemic began, it's been getting crazy out here. Um, have you noticed things changing dramatically since, I don't know, last March or... Yes. Um, there's a street called Lancaster in Fort Worth. And that's another part of why I started this fridge. Um, so all down Lancaster is where all the homeless people are. There are tons of homeless shelters in the middle of Lancaster. But for whatever reason, the homeless people are always outside. <laughs> so, I mean, I drive down there all the time just, just thinking like, what can I do? And try, praying and trying to figure out like what can, what can happen and you see tents and you see um, blankets and people. I don't, I know people are losing their jobs, but to me, it looks the same. Be, probably because I haven't been like in there, you know, it looks the same, but I know more people have lost their jobs. I know that um, more kids are losing parents to this virus, um, but these people may be living with their grandmother, you know, like, these families are coming together and living in one house, maybe, or if that's the case. Um, so most of the people that I've seen just like houseless have probably already been there. Um, but now we're starting to see an increase in families. And I know I was talking to a grandmother who said her son um, lost his job. So now his family moved in with her. And so she comes to the fridge to supplement what she buys um, in the grocery store. Um, because she knows they have, you know, enough just to supplement. So she doesn't need to take as much. Um, we get families who, you know, probably lost somebody to COVID and have taken in somebody else's kids. And so now they all live in one house. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I I wouldn't say to me it looks the same, but I know it's not, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, especially with this storm, 
we don't even know the impact of this storm because the city didn't even start opening the convention center until snow was on the ground. Until the middle of day two, they decided to open up the snow convention. So when we were, we still see people with frostbite and stuff when we go out oh, and hand out. Kidding me? Yes. Ugh, not good. Crazy. Yeah. So we still don't know the impact. I know we've been getting lots of emails um, from high school principals and social workers with kids who are trying to help their families pay rent. I know some of my kids, I work with ninth graders, some of my kids have jobs. Um, and so we've been helping those kids pay their parents' rent. Um, I know it was something else. But yeah, that's, I mean, we don't necessarily just like see it in our faces but it's there i know um a lot of apartment well yeah a lot of apartment complexes don't have water at all and so we've been Still. in email mm-hmm. oh man in four minutes so yeah. we've been getting emails asking like do we have water do we have an influx of water so these kids can brush their teeth take a shower we've been trying to get them water i know there's um an apartment complex um, east of Fort Worth in like Woodhaven, what we call Woodhaven. They haven't had water for weeks now. And this may be the third week. Um, there's some apartments in Arlington that still don't have water. Um, people were going there trying to give them water, but the apartments were calling the police for whatever reason. Like, it's crazy out here. It really, really is. And we still don't know the impact because the city never did anything until it was too late. Yeah. And so people were already impacted. So... Yeah. I really don't know. We've been encouraging people to tell their stories, though, write stuff down, like let somebody know what what the impact was to you and how it felt to you. Because it's the only way we're going to be able to really know the truth <laughs> is, mm-hmm. if, is if people tell their true encounters of how they feel and what they saw. So, yeah, that's it. Absolutely. Well, I'm very sorry to hear that. I mean, that is sort of the impression. And that was why my friend <laughs> referred me to, you know, he's out in that area and Oh, was, really? Yeah. yeah. Um, crazy. Yeah, he was saying that, I mean, which is, of course, you know, well, I would say shocking, except it's not shocking. It should be <laughs> shocking, but it's not shocking. Um, but maybe it's just... Like, but go you ahead. can't believe still. Y'all, y'all just still... You can't believe a snowstorm. <laughs> like, that, that shouldn't be that big of a deal, right? <laughs> it's bad. It's a snowstorm. Yeah, out here... Out here, it's all about the earthquakes. You know, we're worried about the earthquakes out here. That's the one we know, you know, someday there's going to be a big earthquake. We've had little ones, many little ones the last couple of years. We know there's going to be a big one, and then it's going to be the same story. Nobody's prepared, you know? It's, and there's, things are barely held together in the best of times. And yeah. then in the worst of times, it falls apart. It's not you got to do it all over again. got to do it all over again. But, you know, maybe for people who are who are listening, I mean, I think this is such an awesome story for many reasons. But for people who are listening and they're not aware, describe food apartheid as a concept. What What is something that you want people to know about that? So that it, it does not blame the people for the lives they live or the conditions that they're under. It highlights the systematic oppression. It highlights um, the things that keep these people where they are. <clears throat> um, it is a, <laughs> it's, it's crazy because I, I literally just did a lesson of this with my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, I'm trying to find the words. Just us. Um, so we don't say food desert, right? Because we know that these people have been placed in these neighborhoods. We know that these people have been placed in these conditions. So you are making people aware that um, we don't treat these people any differently or we don't blame these people for how they live. But there are systems put in place. There are um, laws and policies put in place that even if they tried to come up or even if they tried to make a change in their lives, which most of them are trying. But it's hard to do when every step you make, there's there's something else holding you down and, and you don't have any kind of control over it. And the people that do have the control are the ones that are putting you in these places. So then therefore, 
um, you feel like you can't depend on them either. And so that's where community comes in. And that's where community um, just lifts up the head and say, hey, we're here if you need anything and we won't judge you. We won't blame you. We won't ostracize you. Just if you need help, here here it is. And we can offer it and we can give it to you. Um, and just to, just to break down those barriers and those stigmas of how people view houselessness, how people view um, families on Section 8, how people view families on food stamps or any kind of governmental assistance, like that's what the government is for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What the government was made for to help its citizens, to protect its citizens. And now that we see that it's not doing that, um, I think more consciousness has been raised in um, a lot of people's eyes for them to realize that this was, wait a minute, oh, this was never being done. (laughs) This was never happening. So um, how can we create a space to change that and to... Um, to protect our people, um, to service them without any kind of judgment or stigma. I hope that answers that, the question. It does. <laughs> um, you know, one of my other guests, he's the um, director of marketing for the LA Food Bank, uh, okay. which feeds a stupid amount of people a month. They're up to like a million. I mean, it's a massive thing, but a million people a month are food insecure in LA County, which is more than most cities in the world, let alone, um, you know, the United States. Are there any other organizations out there? Are there is there like another food bank? Is there anywhere else people can turn? Or is it just, so it's got to be you? No, there are other places people can go. Um, they're not structured like us. Um, they don't operate like us. Like we operate this way for a reason. So, you know, some some places you go, you got to fill out something or you got to give a social security number. Or, and they do that because they have to answer to the state or they have to answer to somebody else. I'm just me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, there no is ID necessary. No, nothing. No, nothing. When we see them, we come out, we say, hey, you need a bag. You wash your hands. You got a mask on. <laughs> what do you need? And so, you know, if they need something more, they tell us and we try to provide that. If not then, you know, we just send them onto the fridge and they go on. But um, there's the Tarrant County Food Bank. They've been doing a lot of different distributions. And I think now they go to neighborhoods and distribute. Um, oh, is that it? I think as far as like just constant and ongoing, I think it is just the food bank, honestly. Mm. Um, I know there's been a lot of different distributions like churches, um, have been, you know, having different distributions. Um, dang. <laughs> I know that there is, I think it's by any means necessary. They um, sit in apartments in um, Fort Worth on the east side and they hand out food. Um, so, yeah, the food bank. Wow, I think that's it. That's it. The food much. bank when by any means necessary. Yeah. That's all I can think of. If there's more, then I'll let you know. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> That's well, all I can think of. You know, I, I think one of the most positive um, takeaways of this is that you had an idea. You wanted to do something. You reached out to somebody else. They gave you a pack, a template. And mm-hmm. what I'm seeing over here is that what you're doing could be done by all almost anybody in any community in the United States, on Earth. Um, if anybody in Fort Worth wanted to start another fridge, they're more than welcome to do it. I hope more people start fridges. You can't use a name. Right, of course. <laughs> or, or the shirt or the hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you gotta keep that. <laughs> too good. You can't use a name, but yeah, we encourage people. I know a lot of college students have been DMing us because they want to start one in their college town. Um, and we invite college students and high school students. We love kids and we love talking to kids, um, you know, and just explaining to them this kind of work and why it's important. Um, I just left a middle school. Actually, now principal asked us to come set up a table and um, sit and, you know, talk to the families because they're actually down the street from where our fridge is. Um, so, yeah, I 
<laughs> I encourage people to start fridges, especially here. So I don't have to do it all the time. But yeah. <laughs> um, there's some in Dallas. There's some in New Orleans. There's some in Houston. There's some in San Antonio and Austin. I saw one in Fiji starting. I saw one in Oxford starting. They're all over the place. So anybody who wants to start a fridge, I definitely encourage them to do so. And I like to watch other fridges and watch how they come up with creative ways to raise money or do the work, especially because we're mutual aid. So it's hard to come across money. We were spending money out of our own pockets before the storm hit. After the storm hit, we started getting, you know, people started posting us and letting other people know that, you know, we were here and doing the work too. And so other people started donating, but before then we were paying out of pocket, moving money, drawing cash, like whatever we needed to do, mm-hmm. um, which is it's great now because it's helping us to sustain it and, and build more. So, yeah, anybody. We encourage people to do it. I, I encourage people to do research and watch other fridges and how they move. I've been watching um, the Free 99 fridge in Atlanta, and I've made her my mentor. <laughs> My involuntary mentor, I've been paying attention to her and how she runs her bridges and how she's building her community. So it has been a journey. It has been a very fun journey and a roller coaster. So I'm excited to learn and do more. That sounds so great. Well, (laughs) I wish you nothing but success. I think it's super cool what you're doing. Um, I want to give, can you give me, what is one thing, a short thing that you wish everybody knew? think everybody knows if that makes sense like I think we all know racism exists (laughs) we've all seen it all summer we all know that food apartheid exists we know that people are hungry all everybody knows it all we've seen it it has been in our faces so what are you going to do to change it that's it that's it that's it what are you going to do like I was broke I saw a fridge and started it. You can start a fridge. Anybody can, but there are other needs that need to be met. There are other ways to fight. There are other ways to build community. Like, what are the injustices that you see where you are and how can you change it? Even if it's just you doing your own shadow work on the inside of who you are and changing your mind and your perspective and reading books and allowing... um, yourself to be open to what you see in other people's experiences and not tearing them down because it's not what you used to or what you know. Um, So yeah, you see these injustices, you see these problems, what are you going to do? Besides posting, besides texting, besides typing, what action can you put in, intentional purposeful action, can you put in to raise consciousness I think that is ultimately what it is. You can see black people getting killed all day long. And you can, I mean, at this point, people are so desensitized. It's like normal now. You can see it all day long, but what, and it is there, but people's consciousness levels still aren't raised. Even still, you see this all the time, but Something is not clicking for you to just be like, okay, this is it. We can't do this anymore. And I tell people all the time, anything from 16, 19 on up to 2019, you cannot do anymore. It is gone. We're all wearing face masks everywhere. It's gone. It is a whole new world. And so if you don't find a way to keep up or be in the know, you're going to get left behind. And that's for anybody. They can be black, Asian, whatever. That's for anybody. What injustices do you see in your community? What do you see happening? What conversations are you having? How are you raising your consciousness so you can help raise somebody else's? And make this world a better place. Like Michael said, like it can be done. (laughs) (laughs) It can be done and it's really that simple. And we, we just overextend things. It's not even necessary. It can be simple and it can be easy. I think we've lived in enough chaos for long enough. How can we create peace? How can we restore these lives? How can we restore justice? How can we do that? Um, so that's it. You know, I um, 
I don't think we're going to do any better than that as a way to wrap this thing up. I think that pretty much sums it all up. Um, well, I, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. I really, really do appreciate it. Um, I know you're busy, and uh, it means a lot to me. Um, I think what you're doing is just fantastic. I mean, really, kudos to you for taking this on your shoulders and choosing to to do something positive with your time. I mean, I think it's just awesome. So uh, I hope that this uh, this episode inspires somebody else to um, to I understand that you know that that something seemingly small can make a difference, and also that sometimes you know the takeaway for me I think is that sometimes if you just start something before you know, you know you started before you had any resources, before you had anything, before you even had a fridge, and all of that manifested itself once you put it out there. So. I hope that somebody out there thinks like, hey, I just need to start this. I hope somebody does too. I and, really, really. Cool. And and last, last thing, anything, I mean, I want to give you the floor to you. Anything you want to promote or where can people follow your support? Just uh, this, the last bit is for you. So you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Everything is Funky Town Fridge. Um, our um, website is funkytownfridge.org. You'll see our GoFundMe, our Cash App. Um, you'll see all the ways you can donate. Um, you'll see our Amazon wish list. Um, support and patronize these businesses that, that we are hosts at. Um, you can buy from the greenhouse online. I have a business. I have a natural hair care line. It's by the Cocoa Butter Queen. Um, and you can go follow us on Instagram, the Cocoa Butter Queen. Um, and yeah protect black women <laughs> at all times always um i think that's it man all it takes is just just the mustard seed just to plant a seed and it will grow it will manifest and it will be great so if you have a dream in mind if you have um i don't know something you want to do that you know can make a positive impact you just got to do it it's got to be like nike just do <laughs> maybe not like Nike in some other ways but uh, you know maybe not, we take their slogan <laughs> we'll take that part well Kendra with that thank you again uh, the podcast is officially over alright thank you for having me thanks for listening to the Beat the Often Path podcast if you've been enjoying this show please like comment share subscribe on Apple Podcasts subscribe to me on YouTube it would mean the world to me also, do you have an unusual success story or do you know someone who does? Well, please recommend them to me. They could be a future guest on this show. Maybe they've rolled the largest boulder down the mountains of Tibet, or maybe they built the world's largest chicken farm in Madagascar. The point is, I don't know what I don't know, so I'm looking for inspiration and unusual success stories. So help me by being a part of this adventure. I'm looking to grow this podcast with you. Thanks again for listening.